Well, hello, and welcome back to the Master Books podcast. I'm so excited to share with you today, Dr. Gary Frazier. He is the co-author of the book, Miracle of Israel. I am so excited for you to hear about this book and his love for Israel, his love for Bible prophecy, for teaching the word. He's going to share with us today about what is happening in Israel, and his book is actually divided into three parts. It shows us the past, Israel in the past, and God's faithfulness to them, Israel in the present, and Israel in the future. You're going to be able to win a copy, perhaps win a copy of Miracle of Israel on the Masterbooks app and in the Masterbooks, Moms of Masterbooks Facebook group. So click on over to those sites, find out how to um, register to win your copy. And now we're going to get started. Thanks for joining us. Here at Masterbooks, we are dedicated to help you disciple your children and develop a strong faith as a family. With pro-Bible homeschool curriculum and beautiful books that honor God as Creator. We offer online courses to help your family worship and serve God. You will also find morning baskets and devotionals for the whole family. Our mission is ink on paper to touch eternity, and we have been publishing Christian books for this purpose since 1975. Find your Pro Bible Homeschool curriculum at masterbooks.com. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Frazier. Well, thank you, Jennifer. It's always a joy to be with you. Great to, great to have this opportunity to spend some time talking about the things that we both love to talk about. That's right. We have had a great conversation off screen, and I'm so thankful that I got to meet Dr. Frazier back when he wrote a different book than we're talking about today. That book is It Could Happen Tomorrow, Future Events That Will Shake the World. He's also published through Master Books, Hell is for Real, Why It Matters. And so today, as I mentioned before, we're talking about the miracle of Israel. He's the co-author, along with Jim Fletcher, on that book. And we are going to talk about how this relates to what we're seeing in current events today. But before we do, I want to give you a little background on Dr. Frazier. He is also a contributor to the LaHaye Prophecy Bible and the Prophecy Encyclopedia. He has is a respected speaker, a former pastor. He's been to Israel over 175 times. He is quite the expert. He's also been on documentaries and the History Channel, and it is a privilege to get to meet with you today, Dr. Frazier. It's great to be with you, Jennifer. Please call me Gary, will you please? Okay. God's not impressed with the other stuff and neither am I. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, what we want to talk about today is the fact that this book about Israel was written several years ago, 2016 or 17, and you are giving us these prophecies, the proof of God's love and faithfulness to prophesy and fulfill those prophecies to show that he is the same God that he always keeps his word. And that gives all of us such comfort. And I love that in this particular book, you are pointing to what he's done for Israel, but also showing us that he is the same God for us, that he is still going to keep his promises to us. So I want you to talk a little bit about why you wrote this book, why this was an important topic then, and why is it an important topic now? Well, Jennifer, one of the things that I learned through my educational career was that uh, as you go through Bible college and seminary and then on postgraduate work and so forth, you find out that professors in most Bible colleges and seminaries talk in very general terms about biblical prophecy. And most of what they present 
they present it almost like it's a smorgasbord. You know, you kind of just pick and choose what you think might be right. Mm -hmm. And yet we all know that uh, on every point of doctrine in Scripture, God has a single point of view. It's never a buffet. And so the bottom line is all of these different positions that we hear about, whether it be a pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pre-wrath, preterism, whatever the case may be, they can't all be right. Uh, you know, we, we all we all know there's only one road that leads to heaven, right? There's only one way salvation through Christ alone. Yeah. And so on every doctrine, there's a major, there's one single point of view. So without going into great detail here, I realized when I was sitting through these classes and so forth, that Satan was very much alive and well within the arena of biblical prophecy, and especially as it relates to Israel, because what they finally or basically were, were teaching in, in the schools that I attended was that uh, more or less the Old Testament Israel. And they really didn't talk much about the rebirth of the nation of Israel, the prophetic implications, the fact that Israel even exists today. And, and I began to realize, you know, the devil is sly and he is the master deceiver. And one of the reasons I'm convinced that he does not want us to know much about Bible prophecy, and the reason he confuses it so much is because he knows that if we get a grasp of the fact that Jesus may come today, we're going to be greater prayer warriors than ever before praying for the lost. And then we're going to also be more involved in, in being uh, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever arena God may open. And so Israel then becomes paramount, and here's the main reason, is that because all end-time prophecy hinges upon the existence of Israel back in their land. And, you know, as you know, for 1,878 years, you couldn't find Israel on a map anywhere. It simply ceased to exist as the foreign powers came and went and so forth. And finally, in 135, Hadrian, the Roman emperor at the time, changed the name of Israel to Syria-Palestinia because the arch enemy of the Jews were the Philistines. And so he, it was an insult to the Jewish people that their land was changed to that name. And he even changed the name of Jerusalem to Elia Capitolina and made the comment that uh, Jerusalem would never be mentioned again. From this point forward, this city shall be called Elia Capitolina. I can tell you right now that 99 and 9 tenths percent of the people who are listening to this podcast never heard of Elia Capitolina, but over 800 times Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible. And I will tell you this, as Deuteronomy 11 says, the eye of the Lord is upon the land of Israel from the former rains to the latter rains. In other words, God always has his eye on Israel. And he says in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, that whoever touches the uh, Jew touches the apple of his eyes. So when you, we, Israel matters to God and therefore it ought to matter to us. Absolutely. So how do you feel your book, I mean, prophecy is prophecy. And I love that you're telling us that it all hinges on Israel. Mm -hmm. So today with the war going on in Israel, the horrible things that I can yeah. barely even hear about, much less watch the news. Yeah. Tell us what we will learn in your book that matters to today's events. Well, I think, first of all, Jennifer, that one of the things that I've tried to do both in the Miracle of Israel and, and other books and things that I've written, articles and so forth and so on, uh, is to try to connect the dots for people. You know, let, let's be frank. Uh, we're told to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. The problem is, is that in our culture today, we have such a... Uh, 
and, and if I may be very candid, so much biblical ignorance today. Mm -hmm. People really don't study the Word of God. It's almost like we won't have some preacher or teacher kind of screw our skull off and pour in something, and then we and, and that's good enough for us. But in reality, we need to understand that as students of the Word of God, God has an eternal plan for the ages, and guess what? He wants us to know what it is. Now, granted, we don't know the day nor the hour of the coming of Jesus, but we do know that we can recognize the signs that indicate the closeness of his return. And Israel is the key to this. So after this incredible separation from the land, Israel is regathered to their land really in a miraculous manner in May of 1948. Now, I want to be clear that our listeners understand something. There's never been a time when that land that was called Palestine, and by the way, Palestine was never a country, never a state. Okay. okay. All right. So it was, it was that, that was never an actual reality, but, but, at all times, there was about there was always a contingent of Jewish people living there. Sometimes anywhere from eight to ten to twelve thousand people, but there were Jews in the land always. Hmm. And so the fact of the matter is, is that all of a sudden God begins to move in a miraculous way, and He uses a number of key people uh, that I introduce in the book. One of them is Theodore Herzl, who became the uh, uh, kind of the leader, without a doubt, of the Zionist movement. What happened was Herzl is assigned, he's a, he's a reporter, and he's assigned to cover a trial of a Jewish man who is being charged with treason. His name was Alfred Dreyfus, and he was in the French military, a Jew. And he had committed no crime, and as Herzl was assigned by his paper to cover the trial, and as he sat there, he realized they were going to convict this man, not because he had done anything wrong, but because he was a Jew. And so Herzl then wrote a very interesting book uh, called The Judenstaat, or means Jewish state. And he propagated the idea of the Jewish people coming together. And so he hosted a conference in 1897 in Basel, Switzerland. And one of the young attendees, about 230 people came. One of them was a young school teacher from Wisconsin by the name of Golda Meir, who would later become the prime minister of Israel during one of the darkest times in Israel's history up until the last few days. And that was the Yom Kippur War in 1973. Okay. And so having said that, fast forward. So out of that conference that uh, he uh, hosted, a real movement began to spring up, both in, in Britain in particular, and then, of course, America as well. And ultimately to that, it led to, at the end of World War II, in the aftermath of the horrible Holocaust, where six million Jews lost their lives, another million children were slaughtered. And, uh, and by the way, uh, that, the Holocaust is in the Bible. Anybody wants to read that, go to Ezekiel chapter 37, because okay. the prophet sees a valley of dry, dead, lifeless bones. Mm. And the Spirit of God says, Son of man, will these bones ever live again? And all of a sudden, then he begins to hear this, this rattling as the bones are coming together. And then eventually they stand upon their feet with skin and so forth. So on, and God breathes the breath of life into them. And so if you go to Ezekiel 37, I want to challenge them, our listeners also to read chapter 36 first, because mm -hmm. it's the run up to 37. Right. And then read chapters 38 through 39, which we're going to talk about in a moment. So Israel is born doing what no other people have ever done, regathered back into their homeland. Nobody has ever done this in this length of time, been separated from the land and reconstituted as a people. So Israel is a miracle. And that's why the book is entitled 
the miracle of Israel because it was the hand of God. Man would have never dreamt it. They couldn't do it. And yet God said, I'm going to gather them up and bring them back from all the parts of the earth to which they'd been scattered and put them back in their land. Jennifer, most people don't realize this. God spoke that to Moses all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 26 through 28. And so God was just making good. You know, one of the wonderful things, uh, Jennifer, I want to remind our listeners and viewers about is that, is that God, God never defaults to plan B. <laughs> he, is, he is sovereign. And that's why Isaiah 46, verse 9 through 10 says, For I am God and there's none like me. I am God and there is none other declaring, or some translations, making known the end from the beginning. People need to realize that when God looks down through the halls of history, through the corridors of time, God saw the creation and he saw the end. And so for him, it's linear. So God already knows what's happened in Israel in the last few days. God, God was not caught, caught by surprise. Sure. He wasn't running around in heaven wondering how he was going to resolve this problem. And so the bottom line is my prayer through all of these horrid, horrific events that have taken place is that thousands and thousands of Jewish people would turn their eyes toward Yeshua, the, Jesus Christ, and to put their confidence and trust in him during these atrocities. Sometimes bad times cause people to look up. And that's our prayer that it would be greatly used. That some, you know, Paul tells us that God can bring good from what appears to be a disaster, as you yes. know. Romans 8 28. We don't call, won't quote the verse, but you know what I'm talking about. So, having said all that, today now Israel exists. And by the way, our homeschool parents and students should know this. When someone says there is no God, do you know the greatest evidence for the existence of God is the fact that there is a state called Israel and there are people called Jews. Wow. God miraculously brought them into his existence and he promised to Abraham through the child of promise Isaac that, that he would give them a land for perpetuity. And so we read about that in Genesis 17, verses 17 through 21, when Abraham says when God tells him he's going to have a son in his old age, Abraham says, he laughs. And he says, you know, cannot Israel, Ishmael, you know, be blessed and so forth and so on. And God says, look, I'm going to do something great for Ishmael as well. That is, he's going to be the ruler of 12 tribes. But my covenant, he says, I will make with Isaac and his descendants. And the bottom line is, it is a covenant that is unconditional. And it is one for, and he uses the words, everlasting covenant. And so today when I have uh, people want to debate whether or not there is a God, I just simply say, well, you know, that's not a new discussion lately. Uh, I mean, through time, uh, people have wondered about that. But I will tell you the single greatest evidence is the fact that Israel exists. And by the way, that's one of the reasons that we're involved in the situation in Israel today that we are. Because the Muslim population cannot stand the fact that there is a nation of Israel. And when Israel became a nation in 1948, they called it their greatest single disaster. And so ever since Israel became a nation, first of all, it was a war of independence. It was 1956 fighting with Gamal Nasser over the Suez Canal, who was a dictator of Egypt. The miraculous Six-Day War in June of 67. And then when, when Israel liberated, unfortunately today, Jennifer, people have heard about the occupied territories in West Bank. No such thing. The area that was liberated was biblical Judea and Samaria. <clears throat> and so we don't need to use the terms West Bank and occupied. They do. We don't. 
because we know that God allowed them to have that portion of the land. And yet we know that the Jewish people have never inhabited all the land they're going to have. Because in Genesis 15, God outlines the territories they're going to get, but not until Jesus comes again in the second coming and the millennial reign begins. And then Israel's going to have, then boy, you want to see Muslims get upset about this. They're going to have territory in Iraq and Iran and Syria. And I mean, it's amazing. So Israel today is, uh, is very important to our understanding of what is taking place in the Middle East. Okay. Well, I'm so glad you wrote the book and I'm so excited for our homeschool families and our pro-Bible believers mm -hmm. to read the book and have this evidence that you're talking about. I mean, what better way to, to respond to someone who doesn't believe in God yeah. to understand the miracle of Israel being a nation, being a people. And that's and that's really why I did it in three parts, the past, the present, and the future, because mm -hmm. I wanted to connect the dots so that people could fully understand that biblical prophecy and the fulfillment of the promises of God, it's not like walking into a room that is dark and flipping on a light switch and then going from darkness to daylight. God begins a process and, and it incremental incrementally over time, he brings it to pass. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, Israel was born in 1948. Now we're 75 years into their, uh, into their statehood and Jesus hasn't come. God is working. But let me just tell you that we're getting closer and closer and closer by the moment. I want mm -hmm. our folks to know that I'm listening for the trumpet blast. I am hearing a lot about the trumpet. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm excited that you're listening for it. I'm excited that we're going to be there together. Absolutely. All of us. I'm so, now, so thankful. If I might say a word, though, about exactly what's happening now, yes, I think please. it's really important for us to understand that uh, ever since, of course, uh, Hamas came into existence in 1987, uh, and then the United States of America, our then government under the leadership of First, Bill Clinton, who came, who was Oslo Accords, which was a disaster. And then following on the heels of that, George W. Bush, who was a one world kind of believer, uh, pressured the Israeli government to give up the Gaza Strip uh, to the uh, Palestinians because they both propagated the idea of Clinton and George Bush that if you gave them land, there could be peace. Well, first of all, the Gaza Strip was the most beautiful part of Israel. Beautiful white sandy beaches, marvelous restaurants, hotels, agriculture, you could not even believe. And yet when they turned this area over, the Israeli government went in and forcibly took Jewish citizens out of their homes, put them in trucks and relocated them all under the guise of peace. And many of us, and not not, I was just one of thousands saying, this is a huge mistake. Gaza will become nothing more than a launching pad for terrorism against the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. It has been that way ever since this happened. So now today, we've heard all of the horror stories, and it's unbelievable. But coupled with that is what we're watching in the media and in the streets of America and Europe, where people are marching in favor of these murdering terrorist thugs who are demonically driven. You'd have to be demon-possessed to do some of the things that these people have done. And I will tell you, by the time this is over with, this may very well, the Holocaust may simply be very, uh, uh, 
it, it may pale into almost insignificance when, by the, before this is all over with. These people are not going to give up. Israel's about to go in. But we need to talk real quick like, because we don't have much time, about the people involved here. First of all, let's talk about Syria. Okay. In Syria today, on Israel's northern border, Russia has 16 military bases. They have the S-400 rocket defense system, which missile defense system, which only Russian soldiers can operate. Uh, so Russia is a player, and they are located virtually on the northern border of Israel. But not just Russia, Iran. Iran's National Guard, their elite National Guard, is also headquartered in Syria today. Now, why are they there? Well, they're there because there is a passage of Scripture in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 that is known as the God, the, the, the more of Gog and Magog, 52 verses. I would ask our homeschool uh, parents and kids to read this passage. And the reason most people don't is it's, it's hard to understand mm -hmm. because you have to look at some history as well. For example, it says that the word of the Lord uh, came to, Zechari I mean, to Ezekiel the prophet, and it goes on to say in verse 2 that Gog, the word Gog, is a Hebrew word, Rosh, which means head of, and it says Gog of Magog. Now, Magog doesn't mean anything to us today, but mm -hmm. if you go back to Genesis chapter 10 in the very book of the beginnings, we find that Magog was a grand, great-grandson down the line, and what we find is, is that Magog, the country itself, has been identified by ancient historians. For example, Herodotus, which many consider to be the father of ancient history, wrote in the 5th century BC that the land occupied by the Magogians was north of the Black Sea and the Caucasus Mountains. Well, if you look at a map, it's modern-day Russia. So basically what we know is, is that there is a prophecy concerning a war that is going to be led by a Russian leader. And then in verse 5, it starts naming the countries that will be involved. The very first country is Persia. So in 1935, <clears throat> excuse me, Persia became the Islamic Republic of Iran. And so now we know that Russia is going to be involved, Iran's going to be involved. So it shouldn't surprise us that we hear about them every day in the media. And then also it mentions Kush and Put. Kush is the southern part of the continent of Africa. Put is the northern part, taking in Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, and so forth. And then it goes on to mention even Betogamba, which is Turkey of today. And we know that the president of Turkey, Erdogan, is an avowed Islamist who hates the Jews. Mm -hmm. So basically, this is a Jew-hating Muslim coalition that will be led by a Russian leader. So isn't it interesting that Iran and Russia have a military pact, but there's some other players involved, and that is the one in the background, in the shadows, if you please, is China. China is funneling millions and millions and millions of dollars into Iran to train terrorists to then, they're providing also the money for weapons and so forth. And so you've got this coalition of people, and we know North Korea obviously has a, wet, a nuclear weapon, and of course we know that Kim Jong-il is, is a nut, uh, so you never know what he may do. So there are various players, and here's the one thing they all share. Every one of them hates Israel. You see, the truth is, Muhammad intended that Islam would dominate the world mm. uh, in the end of day. But what, he, they, what the Muslims don't understand is the Chinese intend to dominate the world. And so when we look at how they're encircling America with South and Central America and the other places in the world where China is actually moving, they're very much in the shadows, buying, purchasing, controlling, et cetera. And quite honestly, 
we have a real question about the man who inhabits the White House today uh, with what, what his nature or, or in his involvement has been and is perhaps with Chinese leadership. So the bottom line is the world stage is set in an unprecedented manner. And that passage in Ezekiel 38 and 39 says that they're going to attack on the mountains of Israel, but God is going to destroy them himself. Mm. That God is going to intervene and send a massive earthquake. And it'll be so massive, the Bible tells us that for seven months, they'll be burying the dead. And for seven years, they'll be burning weapons of warfare as fuel. Now, I know this is hard for a, for, for a homeschool mom or dad to kind of share this with their children because, you mm -hmm. know, we're talking about warfare. We're talking about a lot of things that are not it's pleasant. Mm -hmm. It is it is frightening. And But here's the thing I want to want to say to our to our homeschooling parents and so forth that God never gives these truths to scare us, but to prepare us. Mm -hmm. He wants us to know what's coming. We don't know everything. And more importantly, what it all does is it leads us to follow him, to trust him. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the Lord Jesus Christ is ultimately on the throne. And he just wants us to trust him and know that he's got this. It's mm -hmm. all in his hands. And one of the wonderful things that as a believer, as an, as an old man of experience can tell you, is that God is always faithful to keep his word. And so Israel exists today to prove that there's a God in heaven. And the lost world, especially the Muslim world, hates that. That just, you know, flies into everything that they believe. And so mm -hmm. they are demonically driven, mm -hmm. satanically led to try and destroy and wipe out the Jewish people. You know, it's tragic that any group of people would ever desire the total extermination of another group of people. I don't use the word race because there's only one human it race, it's the human race, but we have many ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And so the bottom line is they want to destroy this ethnicity. Right. And and if you know who God is, if you've read the word, you can trust that he prevails. In the they, end, we win. Yeah. And the, the gates of hell will not prevail against That's his right. bride, against his that church. That is correct. Yep. In fact, gates are seen, seen as a defensive mechanism. Okay. And so when Jesus used those words that upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He's mm -hmm. basically painting Satan as being on the defensive, trying to right. hold off the mighty marching army of God mm -hmm. that is sharing the gospel. And, you know, uh, in the midst of all of this, I'm just telling you, people in Muslim countries are coming to faith in incredible numbers. I believe there are, it. There are thousands and thousands of Iranians because, you know, one of the things that we have to do in our understanding is to separate the people in the land from the government that controls the people in the land. Because most people in Iran want to live a quality of life. They want to they, they, they love the Western concepts and so okay. forth because they actually had that before Jimmy Carter led to, you know, to topple the Shah of Iran, he was not a real nice person, but he was very westernized. And they had freedoms that were lost when the mm -hmm. reigning mullahs took over in Iran. I also, think. I want to say a quick word about this. We need to be reminded that within Gaza itself, there are, Gaza has 2.1 million people. And within Gaza itself, the majority of those people, they hate Hamas but they live in fear and they're held mm -hmm. captive there. The mm -hmm. Israelis are telling them to leave and yet Hamas will not let, not let them leave. They'll first of all, take away their papers, any credentials, they'll take their money. And if they still try to get away, they'll just kill them. 
they have no they have no value for life for life right and so it's really sad and yet we hear uh people today uh talking media heads on in the media and all talking about how uh israel you know they should have a, a, a ceasefire and so forth so on. i just want to tell you this israel is not going to back down they're going to finish this job. So I want to just wrap this up pretty much more or less with just saying to our friends that there are three things I want to suggest right now. Okay. Number one, they're found in Matthew 24 verses 42 through 44. And that is number one, we're told to watch for his coming. Mm -hmm. And so as believers, <clears throat> now young people don't much like this idea. You know, you start talking about the coming of Christ, you know, and I remember when I was a young person, I was saying, whoa, wait a minute, I don't want Jesus to come right now. I mean, there are things I want to do, places I want to go, people I want to see. And I get that. But let me just tell you, he's coming. And the bottom line is you need to know it and you need to be watching. And then in verse 44, it says not only to watch, but to be ready. And then it says also that the third thing is, so watch and be ready. But the third thing says, is it says, blessed is that servant that is feeding or taking care of his people. And what that means is, is that we're to be serving. So mm -hmm. we're to be watching, we're to be ready, and we're continue to be serving him until the day the trumpet does sound and yes. he calls us home and okay. takes us to the Father's house that he's been preparing for us now for 2,000 years. And, and let me just say this to our listeners today, and that is this. You need to be reminded that the purpose of the horrific tribulation period that is coming. The purpose is twofold. One, God is going to finish his dealings with unbelieving Israel. And we're told that in the word of God in the book of Joel. And the second reason that the tribulation is coming is that God is going to deal with the unbelieving Gentiles, mm. not just because of how they've re rejected the love of God and Jesus, but how they have treated the Jewish people. And therefore, as a result of that, the church is absent from that. The body of Christ, the believers, we're taken out of the world before all these things take place. And so people need to realize that there are many voices out there talking about all these various, as I said earlier, different mm -hmm. positions and so forth. And yet the only position that's being obedient to the teaching of Jesus is the, are those of us who believe that there's going to be a rapture prior to the tribulation because we're the only ones that are watching for Jesus to come. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is looking for the Antichrist or they're looking for this or that and the other. And Jesus said, hey, just keep your eyes on me. Right. I am the author and the finisher of your faith. Absolutely. I feel like this is a season, has always been, but particularly in these times is a season of worship and mm -hmm. praise. That that but is you said, how- You mentioned how we pray. And let me just say this, you know, one of the things that we have to remind ourselves of is that we are, we tend to be selfish in our prayer lives. It's about me and mine. God wants us to look at the big picture. And our prayers have to be that his will would be done, mm -hmm. that he would be exalted and glorified. And that we know, 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us it's God's will that all men would come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He died for everyone. He died for the Palestinian Muslims. He died right. for these terrorists. Right. And, and so we have to understand that. But at the same time, we have to know that, that God does have a perfect will. And our prayer is, Lord, I just want what you want. I want what you want. Mm. And, and so when we pray and ask the Lord to allow us to pray according to his will, the Holy Spirit of God 
intercedes for us at the throne of God. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for that. Jesus and Amen. the Holy Spirit, both praying on our behalf, both praying mm -hmm. and defending us against the accuser. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And if you don't mind, would you lead us in prayer as we close out this podcast and praying for the people who are learning what you're teaching mm -hmm. and, and for the world? Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to come boldly to the throne of grace today, clad in the armor of God, standing against the schemes of the enemy who's who came to kill and to lie and to destroy. And Lord, we just want to simply put a hedge of protection around our friends today. For each and every homeschooling parent and the, these children uh, who are being taught the word of God at the feet of their parents, I pray that you might illuminate their minds, that their hearts might be overflowing with love and mercy and grace. And Lord, that you would give them a great desire to be a student of the word of God, to fill their lives because we cannot give to others what we do not possess ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I pray that you would just fill our hearts and minds with your infallible truth that we find in the word of God. And Lord, as we think about what tomorrow holds, I pray that we might each be reminded that the important thing is to know who holds our tomorrows because life is uncertain. The book of James tells us our lives are but a vapor here one moment and gone the next. And so help us to redeem the time for the days are evil, to exalt and to praise you in everything that we do, that you might be glorified through our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Frazier, for being here. Gary, thank My you so, so much for being with us today. I'm so thankful My that privilege. we all have been able to glean from your knowledge that you've studied for so long. We appreciate the calling on your life thank and the you. fact that you've been faithful with the gifts and talents and the time that the Lord's given you, that we are beneficiary of it. And I let me encourage our listeners with one final thing. Okay. I gave my heart to Christ when I was six years old. Uh -huh. I didn't know what, I didn't fully understood, understand it all. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure I still do. <laughs> but this much I know, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Mm -hmm. And I've done many things in my life. I'd be embarrassed and ashamed for people to know. But I will tell you this, the grace and mercy of God is greater. When he says uh, that he takes us and makes puts our sin as far as the east to the west in the 105th psalm he does just that mm -hmm. he drops it he know he knew when he died on the cross he wasn't getting anyone perfect we were just getting forgiven wow thank you for that that was yeah. a that's an on-time word for me i'm so grateful for you i hope we get to talk again soon thanks I'm everybody always available to you Great. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for joining the podcast today. Remember to go to the Moms of Masterbooks Facebook group or the Masterbooks app. Find, find the post and how to um, enter to win a digital copy of this book. Also, if you enjoyed what you learned here today, we'd love for you to review our podcast wherever you are listening. Take care, everybody. We'll see you back on the next podcast. Bye, Dr. Frazier. Bye. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for joining us today for the Master Books Podcast. It was really fun to do this with you today. We hope that you'll take a moment and rank and review the podcast wherever you are listening or watching so that others can find it more easily. We loved having you here and we look forward to being with you on the next podcast. It comes out every other week, Mondays at 5 a.m. See you then.